0: This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is What's Going On, our look at the news of the week. Joining us today, the Daily Hampshire Gazette's managing editor, Greg Salmon, and Matt Zefranski. He runs the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Here. So let's get to it. Um, reluctant as I am to join the media bandwagon about the next presidential campaign, that's exactly what we're going to do. Here's a bit from Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who this week jumped into the race. Today, here in our small state, a state that has led this nation in so many ways. I am proud to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. So, Matt, Bernie Sanders is a serious long shot in anybody's estimation. But as has been true of extremely liberal candidates in the past, you think he'll have Broad appeal here in Western Massachusetts.
1: I think it will depend on where in Western Massachusetts we're talking about. So Bernie Sanders will absolutely have some appeal in, you know, the the you know Hampshire County, Berkshire County belt. Whereas in Hampton County, I mean, Hillary Clinton won Massachusetts, you know, in two thousand eight against Barack Obama, and places like Hampton County were you know where she was pretty strong. So I, I think. It's gonna. there's going to be a divide in the region depending on where he will resonate more than not. Although I still think that in a primary, she would beat him and even in some of the places like Hampshire County.
0: Greg, is there any way that these long drawn out presidential campaigns could have any more reality based impact? And, and by that, I mean, does anything that happens this early really tell us anything about what the final race is going to look like?
2: I think that's pretty hard to say. You have the kind of hardcore political junkies who are really paying attention at this point. But a lot of people, it's it's kind of, you know, noise out there in the media landscape for another several months. And it's going to be, you know, who's still around once people, you know, the the people who are going to go to the polls, the people who are not the, the hardcore, you know, political junkies, uh, once they start paying attention. And actually, to, to back up to Matt's point about the you know kind of the landscape of the Pioneer Valley i i i think there's a lot more political diversity here than we sometimes realize mm-hmm. i remember looking uh, at a map of results in the uh, Scott Brown and Martha Coakley race in 2010 and there was this totally sharp divide at the Hampden county line where Martha Coakley won a majority in all of the Hampshire and Franklin county communities uh, except for Orange where Southampton and West Hampton and then south of that, Scott Brown won everywhere except for Springfield and Holyoke.
0: Yeah, I wonder why it is that we get tagged as being a liberal area. Do you think the communities that don't vote that way don't have as much – don't get as much attention?
1: I, I think it's it's two things. I mean generally speaking, the Hampshire and Franklin and Berkshire County are generally pretty liberal. I mean they they do fit the stereotype to a point in Hampton County, it's a much more urban, older type, uh, democratic, not necessarily liberal or progressive history that's here. And the suburbs have very strongly started to move away from that, whereas in the cities where you still have very large uh, minority populations, unions are still very strong in in, in those elections in those uh, cities and towns, or in Polio and Springfield in particular. Mm-hmm. You see that that they send it end up being in the same column as Hampshire and Franklin County, but for very different reasons.
0: Well, staying in politics but moving way more local. Let's talk about Holyoke's mayoral campaign. So, Greg, I'm going to start with you. This is your home turf. Briefly, <laughs> briefly fill us in on how things stand today.
2: Well, it's uh, it's it's starting to shape up to be a race. We have Alex Morris running for reelection again. He was uh, he was elected for the for the first time a couple a uh, couple years back, uh, 2011. And now he's trying for his third term as mayor. Uh, some some interesting candidates have emerged. He has a pretty strong opponent, I think, in Anthony Soto. Um, Soto has, you know, this interesting kind of X factor in that he's he's married to a four-term mayor of Fitchburg. Wow. So she's not running for re-election this year. Um, Soto has been a, a city councilor for a long time, so he's not a newcomer to politics. Um but you know now he he has somebody in his life who who knows how to run a campaign, who knows how to win a mayoral campaign, and who knows something about being the chief executive of a gateway city that's that's somewhat similar to Holyoke.
0: Yeah, what do you think, Matt?
1: I think that you know it, I hear two different things from the people I speak to in Holyoke. Some of them are dismissive of Anthony Soto. Some of them are legitimately concerned about the impact that he could have in the race. Um, I also, you know, some people strangely enough seem to think that some of the other candidates in the race who are not sitting uh city councilors with the same level of profile either Mildred Lefave who is a school committee member in the race or Fran O'Connell who is a uh, I guess uh, as I described him in a blog post, a home care mogul <laughs> in the in Holyoke uh, is also running. So they they may or may not have an impact. Also, depending on how the anti Alex Morse crowd ends up splitting up in that race. Well, it
0: is pretty interesting, and and I wish we had more time to talk about him. But we're going to move on. The week began with Memorial Day, and so, you know, the continued unrest in the Middle East uh, clearly makes this uh, a war that seems not to be over. And so I'm wondering what you guys think about, you know, the sacrifices made by our veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan after all the controversy with the VA and the wars continuing. Greg, I mean, what can we do for these veterans? And does this continued unrest in the Middle East really make it more difficult for them? I mean, I think
2: simple things, recognizing the work, I, you know, just to, to kind of reflect myself a little bit. I've... Uh, Shot a fair number of photos in my time in the media, and when you go out to something like a uh, Memorial Day service, I think sometimes we feel this inclination to try to get the World War II vets and the Korean War vets and uh, the Vietnam vets and, and the people we feel won't be with us much longer, and, and try to preserve that history. And I think there's a danger in in overlooking the the vets who are serving in the the. Current wars uh, and, exactly and, yeah, not
0: and they're they're, they're younger and they're younger, Matt, just just have a few seconds so
1: well, I, I think it's one of the important things that we should remember on Memorial Day and on Veterans Day as, as well in November is that we understand what exactly brought these young men and women to the conflicts that they were serving in. We should learn the lessons of history and moving forward so that we can honor what their sacrifice and also make sure that those in the future um, are taken care of properly.
0: Time's up. Matt Safransky of the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog and Greg Salmon of the Daily Hampshire Gazette. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for listening to What's Going On. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan.